the Midtown Detroit studios of WDET. This is Detroit Today. We are going to spend the hour today recapping what we heard and maybe what we learned during the public testimony in the impeachment inquiry into President Donald Trump. Is this a reasoned and reasonable investigation, or is it all show? The Democrats and Republicans already have their minds made up about impeachment. Congresswoman Rashida Tlaib and Debbie Dingell will join us, and we want to hear from you. It's all next on Detroit Today, right after the news from NPR. Welcome to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, I'm glad you've joined us. Gotta hang in here with me today a little bit. I have caught the cold that is raging around our community, so my voice is a little hoarse. I've got a little bit of a cough and a stuffy nose, but I am here to hold the conversation that we want to every day. Nonetheless, just be a little patient with me. Also, I want to tell you about two cool events coming up before we get the show started. Uh, are you really into politics? You can join me and the WDET team to watch the next Democratic debate on November 20th upstairs in the Huma Room at Hopcat on Woodward in Midtown Detroit. We're going to get together at about 7.30 and we'll have some trivia and have some fun. We'll talk about politics and the shaping up of the 2020 campaign and then we will all watch the debate together. It is free to attend, but we are asking people to register to join us at wdet.org slash events. Also, Aaron Glantz, a senior reporter for Reveal, which is heard Tuesdays here at 2 p.m. on WDET, has a new book called Homewreckers, How a Gang of Wall Street Kingpins, Hedge Fund Magnets, Crooked Banks, and Vulture Capitalists suckered millions out of their homes and demolished the American dream. You can see him at the Detroit Public Library on November 21st at 6 p.m. There is more information about that event as well at WDET.org slash events. Up first today, the House's impeachment inquiry is now happening out in the open after two weeks of testimony that took place behind closed doors. The first public hearing featured the testimony of two longtime diplomats who had grave concerns about President Trump's actions in Ukraine. George Kent and Bill Taylor provided a masterclass in Ukraine's importance to the United States' interests around the world, and they pointed out why they thought President Trump's actions threatened our interests and our national security. Now that this is all happening on live TV and radio in real time, we wanted to hear from some of the people who are weighing these questions in Congress and talk to some other folks who are paying really close attention to these uh, hearings and making up their minds. But we also want to hear from you this hour. Tell us if you watched or listened to the hearings yesterday. What did you hear from George Kent and uh, Bill Taylor that maybe changed your mind? Did it sort of fill in some of the blanks that you had, some of the things that you didn't quite know or understand about this call between President Trump and the leader of Ukraine? Also, give us a call and tell us if you think these hearings make sense the way that they are being conducted. We saw more time being given to each side to be able to ask questions of the witnesses yesterday. Does that work better than the five-minute segments that we've seen in previous hearings where you just get started with questioning and then all of a sudden it's somebody else's turn on the other side of the aisle to talk with that witness. Also, give us a sense of how you think Democrats who control the House of Representatives are handling all of this. We have seen... Uh, we've seen impeachment hearings before, 20-some years ago with Bill Clinton, when Republicans controlled Congress. Uh, do you think that the Democrats are doing this fairly? Do you think that they're doing it in a way that avoids the look of partisanship 
that might compromise the idea that you could impeach this president. As always, the number here on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there, or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we'll work you into the conversation. And kicking us off today with her reactions to what we saw and heard yesterday is somebody who was among the very first people in the country to call for these hearings to take place. Rashida Tlaib is a congresswoman from here in Michigan. She represents Michigan's 13th district. Rashida, welcome to Detroit Today. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, always great to have you here. Uh, Let's start with your reaction to the hearings yesterday. Did you hear anything? Did you see anything that made you think differently about this? Uh, Did you feel like uh, Democrats were able to make the case through the witnesses that they called that the president did something here that is extraordinary and perhaps impeachable? I think for folks to know, you know, I sit on the House Oversight Committee, so some of what we heard from Ambassador uh, Taylor especially, I I sat in in, uh, a a huge chunk of his uh, deposition that we had with him uh, uh, some time ago. That wasn't new other than the fact that he did reveal another source um, uh, of information that confirmed uh, some of the, you know, obviously allegations that the President of the United States was using our taxpayer dollars to uh, bribe, extort, uh, you know, whatever the terminology folks want to use uh, to basically, you know, for political gain, for self-interest. But yesterday, I think it wasn't really Democrats or Republicans. It's the fact that I think, uh, you know, I, I personally, I felt so proud as an American to see two Foreign Service folks. I mean, these are folks that have worked under a Republican and a Democratic president. They are putting our democracy in, uh, first and our country first. Uh, and that's Ambassador Taylor and George Kent. I mean, they, to me, spoke the truth, uh, no matter how... No matter either side trying to spin it, the truth is that this is information that they had firsthand knowledge about um, that is very much um, coincide and and supported by the whistleblower uh, allegation and the the complaint that was put forward. All this is a process that's coming forward that no one can deny uh, at this point from the transcripts uh, of the call to all of the people that touched uh, the issue around Ukraine and our assistance to Ukraine, that there was some wrongdoing here. Um, and it was just confirmation for me. I was just relieved that finally it is now open. It's transparent. It's now through a public hearing process that the American people all can hear the same thing that I heard uh, in, in, in closed doors. Mm. Uh, and again, um, you know, Stephen, just for folks to know, uh, other folks are coming forward without revealing. You'll see much of what we were worried about is is very much confirmed by a number of folks. And these are, again, uh, government officials that have worked for our, you know, country for years in different roles, but they they don't have any political gain here. Mm. They're just speaking the truth and giving the facts uh, to the United States Congress. Uh, and they're doing they're doing their due diligence in their job, and I, I really do commend them for that. So I, I want to get you to respond to a criticism of this entire process that I've heard a number of times from Republicans, and I, I think they are specifically talking about you when they when they level this criticism. They they say that Democrats have been looking for a reason to impeach this president since the very beginning, and that this is just one in the latest or the latest in a series of things that they have felt uh, they, they could go ahead and, and hold hearings on and that this is kind of a show, that it's a foregone conclusion that they will want to impeach the president. You're somebody who has talked very strongly about the need to hold hearings to determine uh, whether this president has done things that are impeachable. How do you convince people that this isn't just a setup, that this isn't just jumping at whatever opportunity you can to do something you always wanted to do. No, and for folks to know, I, I, I represent the 13th Congressional District that believed before the Ukraine call 
that there was impeachable offenses, mm-hmm. including not following the United States Constitution. You know, when you take the oath of office, there's a clause in there that says you have to divest in your foreign investment, uh, Stephen. I mean, it's very clear. I mean, this is before any of us were born. Mm-hmm. And so for many of my residents, again, this is the third poorest congressional district that I represent. And when the whole conversation happened before, again, I got elected, was around this, this the, the fact that people were staying at the Trump Hotel Right. And that there are all these weird kind of um, uh, actions done by like T-Mobile spending two hundred thousand dollars, you know, at the Trump Hotel in the same breath that they were trying to get the merger done. And then the merger would increase costs to many of my residents, uh, impact workers and so forth. It may be the Ukraine call that got us to this point. But many Americans, especially those in my district, they felt that that the. The fact that he hasn't upheld the United States Constitution through his actions of not divesting in businesses was enough. I mean, I think some of the seniors were – I love my seasoned residents, Stephen, because they'll say to me, oh, it's like a CEO is running their business out of the Oval Office while he's supposed to be making decisions in the best interest of the American people. Hmm. So for me, I wasn't looking for a reason. I, I can tell you this, Stephen. This may have gotten us the Ukraine call and the bribing of a foreign government – extorting from a farm. I mean, that may have gotten us to 218 uh, folks supporting the inquiry. But before that, there was a significant, a majority of Democrats, majority, before the Ukraine call, were believing that there needed to be an investigation, that there needed to be an inquiry. And all of this is our responsibility. I mean, doing nothing at this point, again, before the Ukraine call, I didn't feel like it was an option, especially because this president, it, again, from the racist abuse of power, the fact that we had to take him to court, not once, twice, but three times to stop separating children at the border, mm. that's abuse of power. The fact that we had to hold three members of his cabinet in contempt, I mean, this is pretty historic, in contempt for not complying with congressional subpoenas, that's an impeachable offense, Stephen. But yes, right now, the focus is on the Ukraine call, but for many of my residents, many of my neighbors throughout Wayne County, are saying, well, if it's going to be that to hold him accountable for his lawless behavior, fine. But we know before that there was a number of actions that were criminal, that were abusive, that for much of us, we believe that should have been enough to have hearings. But we're at a place right now that this finally got to the level of both, I think, Republicans, Democrats, independents, people all across the country are saying, wow, this really impacts our national security. When does it end? And I think the American people are exhausted. Of course we are. But this is the process that's dealt with us. This is the only way we can at least have a public open process. We're not the ones who can impeach him. We're the ones who can get the evidence together, right? Send that, send those articles to the Senate and have the Senate then proceed. But that's what is provided to us as members of Congress. This is the process that we have to go through to get there. Some people want to use this as some sort of conspiracy theory. This is not, I mean, we didn't pick up the phone and tell the president of Ukraine Mm. these things. I mean, this actually, actually happened. And there's nothing they say or do or twist or turn will change that. And the fact that he did it, he made this call the day after the Mueller testimony. That shows you the, the extent that he feels untouchable, right? That he feels like he's not beholden to the American people or upholding the United States Constitution. And lastly, Stephen, I mean, I think it's really critically important. Again, one of my seasoned residents said to me, you know, Rashida, I keep hearing him say when I took over the United States, well, Mr. President, you don't take over the United States. You serve the mm-hmm. American people. You don't, this is not a dictatorship. This is, you get elected. You have to abide by the law of the land, which is the United States Constitution. We all have to uphold this, Stephen. And again, I can reiterate to people, this is not some sort of attempt. Of course, for me, it was actions and facts. And the fact that we have these are specifics that I can't change. These are actual actions that were taken by this president. And again, you know, basically having to go to court. And we keep winning all these court decisions recently by, you know, uh, the fact that he's saying he doesn't have to provide this information to Congress. Well, yes, you do. Uh, this is consistent. 
with the fact that he does believe he's above the law. And I think that's one thing that is bipartisan in our country, is we believe no one should be above the law. So so if it's bipartisan, though, why, why did we see such a divide yesterday in the House? And why do we think that there are no senators yet who have been able to say, Republican senators, who say, hey, I think this is something we need to look into. What, what will it take, I guess, to reflect that bipartisanship in, in Congress? I think I'm optimistic that it's the American people that I'm depending on, not the people here, because that's going to be what moves the senators, what moves the members of, of this chamber. And I can tell you more and more people, American people for different political backgrounds, are starting to be awakened. And it's those amazing Americans that are coming forward to speak the truth. That's who folks are going to believe and understand, because it didn't take me, uh, you know, it took me hearing and looking at the transcripts and coming to the depots to understand the extent of what this means for our country, for the president of the United States to pick up the phone and basically extort from another country for political gain and what that really meant for our future and for, um, you know, for us, and for our democracy. And so I really believe and so optimistic that this change and, and what's going to happen in this Congress is driven from outside of the halls of Congress. And when the American people start going to these town halls with all my colleagues, and this is exactly what I saw with many Democrats, when they came from their August recess, Stephen, mm-hmm. uh, you saw a dramatic shift of people saying, what are you doing about the president? And I feel like even after Veterans Day this past uh, week, this, this past Monday, many of my veterans who are Republicans told me, you got to do something about this president and and keep doing what you're doing. Mm. And I feel like that shift is happening. It may not be, you know, seen very evident into uh, right now in the halls of Congress, but it's coming because that's what drives transformative change. That's what drives, I think, change within this institution is when the American people are awakened and when the American people demand it. And I'm very optimistic that they will see the truth and they will demand uh, that the U.S. senators do something about it. Okay, Congresswoman Rashida Tlaib, Democrat who represents Michigan's 13th District. It is always great to have you here with us on Detroit Today. Thanks for stopping by. Thank you. All right. Up next, we're going to talk with Ron Fournier and John Truscott of the Truscott-Rossman firm about impeachment. And we want to continue to hear from you. 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. We'll get to your calls next as well. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today. This is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. And as always, thanks for tuning in. We are talking this hour about the things we heard and saw yesterday in the halls of Congress, the first public testimony of witnesses in the impeachment inquiry into President Donald Trump. We're talking about whether we learned anything yesterday that we didn't already know. We're talking about whether people were convinced yesterday by the things that they heard and saw the testimony of these two diplomats who say they were really concerned about the implications of President Trump's call with the leader of Ukraine. We want to hear this hour from you. Did you watch the testimony? Did you listen to it? Give us a call and tell us what you made of what we were being told. Uh, Are you somebody who is still waiting to make up your mind about impeachment and hoping that these hearings help you make a better decision about what's true and what's not and what should happen? Uh, Or are you somebody who's already made up your mind and think all of this is kind of a show that maybe all the people in Congress really have already made up their mind. So why are they going through the motions of having all of these hearings? As always, the number on the phones here is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there, or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. 
and we'll try to work you into the conversation. And joining me now to talk more about what we saw and heard yesterday are two guys who pay a lot of attention to these things. Uh, Ron Fournier is the president of the Trust Scott Rossman PR firm. He is a former publisher of Crane's Detroit Business and was the Associated Press Washington Bureau Chief for many years. Ron, welcome back to Detroit Today. Welcome. Thanks for having us. Always great to have you here. Also with us is John Truscott. He is the CEO of Truscott Rossman and former press secretary for Governor John Angler. John, welcome back to Great Detroit to be here, today. Stephen. Thanks. Now, I, I've, I'm glad you guys are here because I know you agree 100%. And, uh, <laughs> we what, agree on nothing. <laughs> what is going on? I have really wanted to talk to the two of you together for a while uh, to get to get at what the divisions might be here, but John, I'm actually gonna I'm gonna start with you. And my presumption, and correct me if I'm wrong, is is that you think this is not a legitimate inquiry or process. Uh, that this is a partisan exercise. Um, but but tell me what you make of all of this. Tell me what you made of the the testimony we saw yesterday. Uh, where do you stand on all of this? I, I think the whole process is is a sham. It's not being carried out well. Um, the types of questions, the, the star witnesses yesterday, which is kind of how you start and you get people roped into paying attention to this. And it's interesting. Ron and I agree with our conclusion, but we disagree with every step to get to that <laughs> to conclusion. But we come to the same place. Um when you look at these these guys that were testifying yesterday, it was second or third hand knowledge. Nobody had met the president, heard the president, talked to him, anything. They're just repeating what other people have said. You cannot do that in a trial. That's hearsay. And so I, I think the Democrats really lowered uh, any likelihood that people would take this uh, very seriously. Um, and I think it's been conducted very poorly, just in terms of the way everything's been thrown out. And this leads to, if this were to go to the Senate, a lot of the things would be turned around where you would have the president's witnesses, you would have other people called forward to testify. It would be a completely different process and would actually be a trial where hearsay wouldn't be accepted. So so talk about the broader substantive issues here, though. I'm, I'm curious about what you think of this phone call and this pressure that was put on the president of Ukraine to look into a political rival of the president in order to free up the aid that Congress had already said they were entitled to. Is that is that for you a problem? Is that something that maybe rises to the level of perhaps in, in impeachment or other action against the president? Um, it, I don't like it, but I don't think it rises to the level of impeachment. We know that Ukraine uh, was a very corrupt company, business, oligarchs, government, uh, all tied together. There were a lot of bad things going on there. So, you know, I, I would think it would be legitimate for any leader to say, if we're giving you money, we expect you to clean up your corruption. That's not what the president said, though. Well, we may disagree on the interpretation. <laughs> well, I'm shocked. The, the <laughs> it's not an inter interpretation. Uh, I know John is a friend and, and, uh, and my boss, so I have to be careful here. But he's awfully busy. <laughs> he's busy running a company, so I don't think he's been able to really pay attention to, to everything that's going on. It's not an interpretation. We have in the uh, in the president's own memorandum that was released by the president in the White House. We have him breaking the law in that memorandum. It's not hearsay, the memo that the White House put together, in which uh, the president clearly asked a foreign country uh, to help him in a, in a political race. That is in clear violation of the law. That's not an opinion. It's against the law to ask a foreign country um, to give you political help. Second, the president says uh, in connection with the, um, the missiles that Ukraine wanted, that they desperately needed to fight our enemy, Russia, um, he said, do me a favor, though, which although you don't need a quid pro quo, that definitely is one. How else do I know that? Firsthand knowledge, the head of the OMB who blocked the money uh, so this leverage could be played and who was the White House chief of staff, he went on TV and publicly acknowledged that it was a quid pro quo and told us you just have to put up with it. We also have at least one witness, a, a um, ambassador, or no, I'm sorry, not an ambassador, a, a uh, National Security Council staffer who served under Republicans and Democrats, who listened in on the call on behalf of the president and took notes at the time in which he noted that the president violated the law and, and, and had a quid pro quo. So, you know, the issue here isn't whether or not the president violated the law. The issue here isn't whether or not the president used um, the powers of his office um, and used um, 
military aid that Congress passed, Republicans and Democrats passed, to push up against Russia um, to, to have an investigation against his political rival. Not against the Ukraine corruption. By the way, this president has no interest in corruption in any other countries. He doesn't press Putin against on, on corruption. The president clearly said, I need, I need information on Biden. I want an investigation on Biden when, when that was his main opponent in the election. That's against the law. Now, is it impeachable? That's for Congress to decide. It's is it worth him question. getting thrown out of office? That's for them to decide. But we, gotta, we, we at least have to argue over a common set of facts. It's just indisputable that the president that violated the law. So, so John, the, the, the argument that the president was trying to get them to look into corruption, I think is an interesting one. And I think it's, it's a, a plausible theory, except that the president hasn't produced any proof that he asked them to look into other corruption. I mean, to believe that, we would now have to believe that the entire extent of corruption in Ukraine had to do with Hunter Biden, the son of the or one of the people who would like to challenge the president next year at the ballot box. Does that make sense that that it was about corruption if it was only about corruption of a political rival? Well, and I would I would flip that and say, what if Joe Biden were not a candidate and the president asked the president to look into corruption? Does that change your your perception of it? Yeah, it you, would. That would not be illegal. Okay. But what he did you, was illegal. You, Ukraine has been corrupt since I was there in 1995 when, when they didn't even have a constitution. But the hotel I was staying at had guys with really long leather coats and machine guns underneath and Mercedes parked <laughs> out front. You could see the organized crime effort moving in uh, even at that time. So it's, I mean, it, in Eastern Europe, when countries change or, or are developing, these elements come in. A lot of them are, are based in Russia. Um, I do think as this goes on, one thing the Senate could do is go into that Russia investigation, the whole dossier, who created it, things that the Attorney General and the Justice Department are looking into. There's a whole can of worms here that could be opened up, and that's where I think Democrats have to be very, very careful where they tread because you do not know what's around the corner. You know, really, in a way, it doesn't matter who the whistleblower is or the or the genesis of the dossier, which, by the way, was started by a Republican campaign. But that really doesn't matter. Because, again, the president on live TV solicited help from a foreign country against the law. Mulvaney confirmed it on live TV. The, the White House's own memo codified it for the, the American public. So talking about hearsay, talking about the dossier, all, these, all the smokescreen that the Republicans are putting up, they're trying to create a different set of facts for us to argue over. Let's argue over whether or not we think it's proper for a president of the United States to use his power and use our military might to leverage information out of a foreign country to influence an election. Is that right or is that wrong? Mm -hmm. uh, again, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. Colin, tell us what you thought of the hearings yesterday in Washington about the impeachment inquiry into Donald Trump. We saw two diplomats say they were really concerned about the things that the president said on this call with the leader of Ukraine. Uh, you can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we can work you into the conversation. we got a lot of people who want to participate in this conversation. That is really not a surprise. Let's start, though, with Brian in Detroit. Uh, Brian. Welcome to Detroit. How you today. doing, guys? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, how you doing, guys? Uh huh. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, what I found interesting about the hearings uh, yesterday, I watched them twice. Was that this is probably the first time in my life as a progressive Democrat where I ever saw a uh, a, a uh, debate like that where the Republicans sort of won on on merit. Okay. Can you tell me yeah. what what made you think that, Brian? What made you feel that way? Well, we uh, cross-examined Kent and Taylor after um, the initial statements. And um, although they're very knowledgeable about uh, this from where they're sitting, it seems as though they're a victim of perspective problems. Because um, when they were, were cross-examined, um, some of uh, what they knew back was um, sort of broke down a little. Mm -hmm. There's information they didn't know. It's things they didn't know about the Ukrainians. And um, and that's only like part of it. Hmm. Um, in the second half of the uh, hearings, Schiff was down to repeating old talking points from the first half, and we already passed that. Hmm. But the really interesting part was when um, what's his man name again? Uh, Goldman. Uh -huh. He was a the lawyer. Yeah, he 
Yeah, he, he quoted Trump as Trump inquiring on the location of uh, the DNC server. So I'm asking, what's the DNC server doing in Ukraine? Hmm. Ah, that interesting question, Brian. Uh, I appreciate the call. Uh, and the comments and the questions, uh, this idea that the Republicans did a good job impeaching the testimony of the witnesses yesterday. John, did you feel like that was true as well? Yeah, I, I thought your caller uh, is, is very perceptive on, on a lot of this. Um, given that Republicans were, were somewhat limited in what they could say and who they can call, I mean, they've been they've been kind of handcuffed, but I did think they get to the, they did get to the heart of it. I think Schiff, uh, Chairman Schiff made a big mistake by saying, he didn't know who the whistleblower was, even though his staff had been working with the whistleblower, and that's all, all documented. That's something that I think comes comes back later. And that's really the danger when you get into kind of an unscripted uh, program here. Uh, they are going to make mistakes, and it will be turned around on them. So whether they have legitimate facts, legitimate questions or not, the perception uh, that they're lying uh, will be the one that overtakes it. Hmm. Ron, you have problems with the way that the Democrats are conducting this, but did you think that the Republicans did a good job yesterday of getting after these two witnesses and, no. and questioning the, the substance of what they no, were saying? No, they, they, they did not undermine at all the central element here, which is, is it proper for a president of the United States to seek, seek political help from a foreign um, country? That's the heart of the matter. Republicans can't dispute that because the president has confessed to that and done that on live TV. Um, have they done, are they trying to throw up a smokescreen and are Democrats allowing that smokescreen to get between the truth and the public? Yeah, I think so. And here's the problem. First of all, I covered impeachment in, uh, in, in, in the White House under Clinton, and I'm old enough to, to have been in Detroit um, during the Watergate hearing. And I can remember my grandmother and my mother watching the entire hearings because they, neither one of them worked outside of the home. And I can remember my father leaving his very safe uh, uh, safe job, he was a police officer, his union job, and getting home at 3 o'clock, going to the gym, coming back, having a drink, and sitting down and watching the 6 o'clock news. And I can remember my family sitting together and discussing it every night. That's how people used to get the news, get information. That's not how it's we not absorb how news anymore. anymore no. And the Democrats still, I think they think that we're still in 1974. And they had this long, complicated hearing in which they let the Democrats... Uh, or let Republicans throw up these smoke screens in which they didn't really focus on the core of the issues. What if we pretended this is actually 2019? What if instead of these hearings in the middle of the day that are complicated and, and, and are bifurcated, what if we had a 90-minute, a, a two-hour special one night mm -hmm. um, in which we um, broke down the cases because it's a very simple slam-dunk case against the president. Just focus on the central elements and then blast it out in into social media and into the ways people get the news. The problem is the Democrats are putting up an earned media defense in an owned media world. Hmm. What if the first few minutes just focused on what the law is? A president cannot extort another country. A president can't even solicit political aid. And then uh, they, they show the, the president actually doing that on live TV. And then you show the memo in which um, the president's staff confirmed that he did that with the president and had a quid pro quo. And then you show Mulvaney on, uh, on live TV admitting that the president broke the law and, and, uh, and had a quid pro quo. Yeah. And you just focus on the facts. And then you blast it out in the own media channels and make this um, um, a, a very sticky, viral a case against the president because the facts are irrefutable and are damning to the president. So, so do you feel like uh, this is headed toward something of substance in terms of the conclusion? I mean, no, uh, unfortunately you, not. If you look just at what happened yesterday, the the number one uh, phrase in the Google search yesterday by exponentially more than impeachment was something called. I looked it up here. Something called. A Sonic the Hedgehog. Huh. More people searched Sonic the Hedgehog exponentially more than the word impeachment. On the Washington Post page yesterday, the Washington Post, the number one story was a story about a three-antlered deer in Michigan. Even on the Washington Post, the number one story <laughs> was impeachment. People not paying attention. So people, look, people aren't paying attention. We, uh, we, we, our attention span is much shorter. We get our information from much many different sources. And we are kind of a celebritized culture. The president is president because of the celebrity and president, uh, the, the, the Apprentice Show. Democrats have to realize that's the kind of voter they now have to reach. And they have to reach them where they live instead of pretending it's still 1974. Hmm.
We actually, that's where we agree. The, this whole process, the way it's being conducted and the way it's it's being consumed. I, I was watching Facebook, my Facebook feed last night. Nobody was posting anything no on, one's on impeachment. About this. There were so many posts on Colin Kaepernick's tryout and, and other <laughs> issues, but nothing on impeachment. When I got up this morning at 5.30, I pulled up Detroit News and Detroit Free Press. There was nothing on impeachment. Now there is a post on questions, eight questions for Republicans or, or something like that. Nobody's talking about it. And I, I just think the the committee, their view of the world ends at the Beltway in Washington. They don't know what's going on. People are working hard. They're, they're getting ready for the holidays. There's a lot of things going on. This is just a, a nuisance distraction that will, if we watch the network news, we might see it for two minutes, but then we move on. Hmm. And it, there, there's, there's not a slam dunk here, and they're not making a good case. I will say Mitch McConnell could really turn this on his head if this goes to the Senate. He's got a lot of strategies. He's a smart strategist. Um, this could backfire on the Democrats. But the storytelling advice we would give to a client, that's kind of advice is being ignored by the Democrats right now. They're doing it, they're just doing a horrible job of it's telling an interesting what way is a very to, simple story. It's an interesting way to put it, storytelling advice. In other words, yeah. that to, to make your point, you have to wrap it around a narrative that's easy for people to right. digest and understand. And you could easily have a, have a five-act story here where the first act is how, the desperate straits Ukraine is in fighting our enemy. And the second act is the, the legislation passed by overwhelmingly by Republicans and Democrats to fight the enemy that is Russia. The third act is the president, Mulvaney, the White House document, all the firsthand testimony showing that the president undercut that. And the last act is let's just sum this up in seven words or whatever the words are. The, 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 the president has abused the powers of the presidency um, for his own gain. That's what this boils down to. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to continue our conversation with Ron Fournier and John Truscott of the Truscott-Rossman PR firm, and we're going to welcome Congresswoman Debbie Dingell to the conversation to hear her reactions to yesterday's testimony. We will also get to the rest of your calls, Tom in Northwest Detroit, Adam in Detroit, Aaron in Detroit, Greg in Rochester Hills. We will hear from you next as well. If you want to join them, 313-577-1019 is always the number on the phones. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today. This is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. We're talking about yesterday's first public testimony in the impeachment inquiry into President Donald Trump, what we learned, what we heard, what we saw, and whether it is changing anyone's mind. Are people being convinced by this testimony who were not convinced before, or is it all just a show to a lot of people? And the presumption is that everybody involved has already made up their mind anyway. Uh, we want to hear from you this hour about what you saw and heard yesterday. 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones for that. Uh, I've got three guests uh, with us now talking about that. Ron Fournier is president of the Truscott-Rossman PR firm. John Truscott is CEO of the Truscott-Rossman PR firm. And I want to welcome Congresswoman Debbie Dingell, Democrat from Deer who represents Michigan's 12th Congressional District to the conversation. Debbie, glad to have you here. Good morning to all three of you, and I liked listening to you before I joined in. <laughs> Were you, like, uh, jumping at the at the phone saying, I want to get into that. I got I got to answer that. I know. I sort of like listening to them. I just wish that I could say no one was talking to me about it. <laughs> <laughs> right. I'm sure that's say that. You, you have a slightly different role than we do. <laughs> that's right. Uh, Debbie, let's start with you talking about the questioning of Bill Taylor and George Kent yesterday. Did you learn anything new from yesterday's testimony? And how did you think it was all handled uh, in Adam Schiff's committee? So first, let me say I was busy doing what I do. I'm not on those committees. I was, we were passing legislation out of committee on lowering prescription drugs, mm -hmm. addressing tobacco and vaping, and uh, addressing maternal health care issues. So much of the uh, of the testimony, Tom, I was actually working on other legislation that we're trying to get to the floor. Obviously, I watched a lot of it when I got home last night, and I've read every paper that I could find last night and this morning. 
And I think that there was some new uh, the phone call that the president had, apparently, even in the restaurant, showed the detail to which he got involved uh, in all of this. But you know what struck me last night more than anything is the screaming. Uh, it, it's Republicans, I think, one of the tactics they're using is just to elevate their voices, scream, and I don't know what that's accomplishing. I, you know, I believe this is a very somber time in our country. It's not a good time. Uh, nobody's above the law. I keep saying that the reason we are here is that an inspector general that was appointed by President Trump got a complaint, investigated it, found that it was credible, that it was real and could be of danger to our national security. And that matters. Our national security matters. Now, I, I think I agree with all of you that many people have made up their minds, and I get yelled at by everybody that's made up their mind. But I also worked for Bob Griffin when I was young, long time ago. I was mm -hmm. just uh, an intern in college. But I flew back with him the day that he called Richard Nixon and told him he needed to resign. And, I, you know, in those days, I knew I was – but my parents were Republican. I was – uh, I knew all Republicans, and the Republicans were absolutely against impeachment. Sounded much like what we're hearing, except social media and yelling has become much more accepted. It wasn't quite like that. But the Republicans turned as they got more information, and they, they told the president he needed to resign. And after that first happened, he resigned in 17 days. Right. So this getting the facts and having the American people see a transparent process that we're getting the facts matters. So so do you feel like that's happening? I mean, we, we continue to see Republicans unanimously push back against this entire inquiry, first by saying they don't think what the president did rises to the level of impeachment, but also that the process that Democrats have put together to get at these questions is is really biased and partisan, what is it going to take to get to that space that you're talking about where people are evaluating this not on a partisan basis but on the facts? Well, I do think that we've got to keep pushing to get the facts. We have to push back on Republicans who put in requests to have witnesses. They're not going to give them the most. You know, this isn't about hold doing a trial on Joe Biden. It's looking at what happened to things that could have endangered our national security. And the, the Republicans have the same amount of time to question witnesses, both of them, quite frankly, the, from what I saw, and again, I haven't, you know, wasn't watching it all day, when the Democrats and the Republicans had their staff asking questions, it was a much more, um, the questions were pointed, you got information, that it was good questioning. And if this goes to the Judiciary Committee, the President's counsel will be present. They have the right to ask questions. They can make summary statements. It is the same process we've seen in the past. And, you know, what I wish is that everybody could allow a process to go forward in a very transparent, calm, methodical method, because we do need to worry about our national security. And one of the things that bothers me more than anything is how divided this country is, which we're all talking about in different words mm -hmm. uh, as we talk about where we are. Where here is a fact. Russia's trying to divide us as a country. And not only are they trying to divide us as a country, but we have intelligence agency after intelligence agency of democracies around the world talking about how Russia is trying to delegitimize democracies and make them unstable. And we all need to be aware of that. We've got to fight to protect our democracy, not be part of pitting us against each other. So what? Uh, looking forward to tomorrow, we're going to hear more testimony, this time from uh, Marie Yovanovitch. Uh, do, you, do you feel like we're going to get closer to the, get closer to the point where we have that moment where people say, oh, I get it now. I feel like this is as serious as Democrats are, are, are making it out to be. And, and I really want to get to the bottom of this. I think that, um, you know, I'm not sitting in these committees. I don't, I, the, hearing, the testimonies and the facts that have been gathered were done in a classified setting. I've had access to the same materials that everybody else has when they've released and made them public. I think her testimony was eye-opening that I read when it was released. And it 
I suspect that when people hear her talk about some of the things that happened and really how she was pushed out, how she was uh, threatened in some ways, her testimony, I think, could will be very important to how people understand what happened. Hmm. Uh, again, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. Call and tell us what you thought of yesterday's public testimony in the impeachment inquiry. Let's go to Adam in Detroit. Adam, what's on your mind? Hey, how you guys doing? Good. Um, I just wanted to bring it back to the local a little bit. I, I think, unfortunately, we've reached a moment where there are those that would put business above anything and everything. And there are those that would put what I would call human values above everything. In the the city of Detroit, I'm a community organizer. Mm -hmm. We have the DEGC and the Detroit Land Bank working under the mayor's office. And all the time, people are moving back and forth between the public sector and the private sector. And it's all in the interest of business. And I think if you put this on the national scale, Mm -hmm. it's essentially the same thing. There are those in this country that would put large businesses and their interests above anything and everything else. And what they're doing is in their minds right, because it's generating profits or whatever. And I think it boils down essentially to that. Mm. We fought a long battle to close the incinerator. Right. The incinerator hired Truscott Rossman to represent them, and they started publishing fluff pieces about what a great facility it was. They hired a former council staff member. I was down at council last week, and she now works for council again. Hmm. So this type of corruption is, is endemic in American society, and, and there are those that see it as a problem, and there are those that see it as just Business work. as usual. Sure. Adam, I really appreciate the call uh, and and you injecting that perspective into this conversation. John Truscott, I'll give you a chance. To, yeah, I know Ron wants to comment on that, too. But I think the caller touched on something that's endemic in, in society. One, we, we watch media that supports our own uh, philosophical viewpoints. So that's how we're getting our information. But when you look at the polling that's out there, and I, I moderated a, a panel last week with Alyssa Slotkin and Dan Kildee, two members of Congress I have a tremendous amount of respect for, and Alyssa mentioned a third-party poll that said that in her district, 93% of the voters thought that everybody was corrupt. And I think that that's sneaking in. It's, it's a pox on all your houses. Then the media that we've depended on, you have NBC documented as covering up the Harvey Weinstein story, ABC covering up the Jeff, Jeffrey Epstein story. Nobody trusts anybody anymore, and that's what we're relying on for information for the truth. And I think the public just tunes everybody out at this point. And, well, I mean, and, and what Adam's also talking about there is this kind of revolving door between government and private service uh, where things uh, things get muddy in terms of who's representing whom and who's representing the public interest. I think uh, I saw what Adam's talking about in Washington all, all the time. He's put his finger on a, a real real problem in, in democracy today. Um, I'll just answer his question about Detroit Renewable Energy, uh, which he referred to as a center incinerator. Uh, we did represent or do represent the new ownership there. Um, we don't publish puff pieces. We don't publish pieces. Um, we do help um, journalists um, understand uh, the issues um, um, in front of our clients. In this case, um, uh, many of the articles, most of the articles written about uh, the, the old um, ownership at, at DRE were negative. Um, what we did do is help this new ownership team work with the city to close down uh, the incinerator. So we no longer have garbage being transformed into energy. Um, um, just just uh, outside of downtown in a neighborhood that was causing, although it was a very green um, program, it was causing a smell and other issues for the neighborhood. So that, pro- that, that, that plant is now closed down uh, thanks to the work of people like Adam and uh, of, uh, the, the new ownership um, at that facility. Mm. Again, Adam, I really appreciate the call uh, and the comments. Uh, let's go to Greg in Rochester Hills. Greg, welcome to the show. Yes, uh, I'm a never-Trumper, so uh, that's uh, something that 
I think goes without saying in my family, but my in-laws are, are always Trumpers. It's very awkward. We can't talk anything about politics. <laughs> You're going to have a fun Thanksgiving, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, well, no, it's going to be brutal. Anyway, uh, listen, th- none of what they're doing is going to help. Uh, if you... If you're an always Trumper, you, it's back to the shoot somebody in Fifth Avenue. They don't care. They're actually applauding that he's standing up and and being a bully to country. So you know, it, it we're in a we're in a very interesting spot in history. Thanks so much for uh, no, my Greg. Call. Thanks very much for the call and the comments, uh, Debbie Dingle. This is something I think you probably hear a lot in the, your travels through your district, right? People who are firmly on one side and don't believe that the other side has anything really valuable to say, but they know people on the other side and have to have to deal with them. And they've sort of had to figure out how that all looks in a, in a time where uh, division is kind of the, the, the theme of the day. I see it and hear it all the time. And by the way, you can look, you know, people, I, I feel good that people feel like they can come up and talk to me quite frankly, yell at me wherever I am, whenever they want. Because at least I know what people are thinking, and it helps me understand what's going on and what the reflection is. But, you know, I was downriver at a place that you would have expected. When the person came, I'm not going to give the place because I don't want to give anyone away, but that was headed for me, I thought, oh, Lord, here it comes. They're going to be (laughs) anti-impeachment. And it was a man in camouflage who said to me, you keep doing, you're doing the right thing. And I was in Zimmerman's actually talking to Ari when someone came up to me and started screaming at me about how the impeaching was absolutely the wrong thing to do. Mm. And I would have put exactly reversed where what happened there. Right. And it, it's people. And I was, you know, I've had breakfast regularly with the same group of of guys for 20 years and I can't go to the bagel place anymore because the last time I was there, literally the entire restaurant, probably 80 people divided in half and people were yelling at each other on either side of the issue. Hmm. I mean, really strongly. I'd never seen anything like it. So people do have strong feelings. And what I'm trying to say to people is slow down. And I say it to people on both sides, take a deep breath, and just try to put yourself in somebody else's shoes. Yeah. Now, uh, everybody's got different life experiences, different perspectives. We need to listen to each other. Yeah, listening you know, is God the, gave us is two the ears thing. and one mouth for a reason. Right. And try <laughs> right. to understand those perspectives. <laughs> okay. And I'm very worried that that's what I'm talking about when I say this division in the country is getting to a point that it is actually threatening our democracy. Yeah. Okay. Congresswoman Debbie Dingle, Ron Fournier, and John Truscott. It was really great to have you guys here. It was a pleasure, Stephen. Thank you, man. We'll catch up with you guys soon. All right. uh, That's going to do it for me today. I'll be back tomorrow unless we have the hearings tomorrow, and we will be broadcasting them here on WDET. This is 1019 WDET, Detroit's NPR station, your connection to news, music, and conversation. We'll talk again soon.